What's good you guys? Welcome to the podcast. Well, since this is the first time we are interacting, I guess it's my responsibility to introduce myself. My name is Aditya Pratap Singh and I am actually a student of MBA Pharmaceutical Management. I guess that's enough for me. Today, we have someone with us who has around 46 years of experience in the Indian pharmaceutical industry with companies like Wallace Pharma, Sun Pharma, Intas and Torrent. Now for 16 years he has been into pharma consulting. He has trained over 20,000 personals like medical representatives, first line managers, second line managers, brand managers and general managers. He is somebody who has written over 6 plus books on the subject of the Indian pharmaceutical industry. He is none other than Professor Vivek Hatangadi sir. So, if you want to expand the boundaries of your mind being as a brand manager or general manager even if you are a student this episode is going to be for you so let's jump on welcome to the podcast sir it's great to have you with us thank you thank you so much aditya i would start by asking you So you have been in so many different companies you have been in so much different roles so what's like your straight up career advice for yeah. somebody who's starting his or her career right now into the yeah. pharmaceutical industry oh that's a very good question my first advice to the youngsters love your job if you don't this profession is not for you you'll be simply wasting your life second like in the armed forces this is not a 9 to 5 job it's a 24 by 7 job and in the emerging new marketing models like say for example patient centricity when it comes to the patient centric marketing model life is going to be even tougher but fortunately more satisfying enjoyable and much more respected than it was in the yester years the medical representatives will no longer be the prescription askers they will be knowledge workers they will be the real knowledge workers the third advice would be lead read a lot and be a perpetual learner you actually have plenty of time to read like when a medical representative who goes out in the field he is kept waiting in the doctor's chambers sometimes for hours together this is the time when he can read and at the same time our friends should be also learn about perseverance even if you join the profession as a management trainee the management trainee should spend at least 50% of the time in the field i usually start my work at 4 am in the morning at the same in the sanskrit that is called as the brahma muhurtam and brahma muhurtam is the time about 2 hours prior to sunrise and this 2 to 2 and a half hours prior to sunrise that is the brahmurtam is solely for myself and that is what i would recommend to youngsters yes sir actually i was going to come back to this question cuz uh, you know you mentioned in one of your books that you never made a very great strategy while uh, in those brainstorming sessions that you have in those com- in the companies yeah. you actually made great strategies when you're alone like thinking to yourself the brahmurtam that you actually mentioned about absolutely and uh, that is also the time when there are no distractions no buzzing of the phone and that time is all for yourself definitely sir definitely actually that's very great advice which brings me to my next question sir uh, you know everybody who enters the industry has a dream 
to reach to that top level, the CEO level. So what's your advice for medical representatives or even brand managers or general managers who are in the middle of their careers who want to reach to that level? What does it take to go from a medical representative to a CEO? Uh, that's a very, very nice question. And I think my response should be pleasant uh, to the ears of the youngsters, especially to the students. But what I'll do today, I'll uh, focus mainly on the soft skills. Because hard skills, okay, you get it. But soft skills are more important than the hard skills. Because you see, uh, more than IQ, or what you call as intelligence IQ, more important than IQ is EI, or in, uh, emotional intelligence. So the first thing which I would suggest is we need to have great communication skills. And the most difficult part of communication is listening. Because listening is a integral part of uh, total communication. And you know why listening is difficult? When humans beings, especially the Indians speak, we speak at a uh, speed of around 80 to 120 words per minute. But our brain, it processes its words at a speed of around uh, 800 to 1000 words per minute, which means at a time which is at a speed which is about uh, 10 times the speed at which you speak. And so before somebody has finished speaking, the listener has understood everything. That is the problem. And that is where the communication gaps start. And uh, in stressful communication, particularly in stressful communication, 93% of your effectiveness in communication will come through your body language and the tone of your voice. And when I'm talking about the tone of my voice, I'm talking about the inner feelings which are uh, within us. For example, when you're talking to your girlfriend, I think to your, you may be having, you may be speaking to her in a romantic tone. But when you're speaking to a senior, you may be speaking to him in a respectful tone, isn't it? Yes, sir. Correct, correct, correct. And therefore, one principle which I have uh, coined, and that is what I called as the Vivek's principle for CEO communication. The Vivek's principle for CEO communication is based on the Pareto principle. Oh, the 80-20 Yeah, the 80-20. Invest 80% 80 of your time in listening and just 20% in speaking. Every brand starts from zero, right? Mm -hmm. But why is it that some brands reach to that blockbuster mm -hmm. level while others, other brands, you know, they can't even survive the first fall? So what is it that oh. makes small brands small, <laughs> but large brands large? One of the reasons where a small brand becomes smaller, because a small brand takes a double beating. When a small brand takes a double meeting, meeting, I say first the customer base is low or if you want to come to pharma, the prescriber base is uh, very low. And second, when the prescriber base is low, the doctors are not uh, uh, brand loyal. So therefore, a brand is likely to become smaller and uh, okay, so, so so if you have to give one suggestion to the brand managers holding uh, these portfolios, portfolio brands, uh, so what do you, can you suggest them? How can they improve? Two things are uh, very important. One is the mindset. 
the major role of a brand manager in pharma is to build mega brands. When I say a mega brand, in that particular category, it should be either one or number two. And if you are number three or number four, you have no chance to become a mega brand. I still remember when I was in Itas, it was a startup company. I'm talking about uh, 1992. At that time, we had introduced a new product of Caesar, Cisapride, which went on to become one of the leading brands in the gastroenterology segment. And after that, any gastro product which we introduced in that segment big, uh, went on to become big hits. So a big brand has a fallout on the newer brands which are likely to come. So the most important thing before anything else, have a very big vision for your brand. And when I talk about the vision, sometimes the vision may not be achieved, but what happens when you have a big vision, it uh, energizes the field force. Definitely, sir. Definitely. I completely agree with you about this distinctiveness. It reminds me of that quote, which one of my mentors told me once, which says, you have to be either better than the best or be different from the rest. If you want to survive in this market or you want to be number one or number two in yeah. the market. Correct, correct, correct. And uh, that holds true, especially in the Indian pharma industry. Because for any new molecule which is introduced, immediately there would be around say uh, 50 brands, 70 brands. And therefore, you need to make your brand distinct. Every brand manager wants a brand to be unlike any other brand. But that probably doesn't happen in every case because the reality is that there are no truly unique products. We only have me two products in uh, India. And what can we really do to make our brand stand out? We need to create distinctive brand assets that will set you apart from all the other brands. But we in the pharma are so addicted. No, we pharma mindset ke bar if that is the mindset, it is really very, very difficult to be distinctive. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So from that only, we can, you know, think about these uh, poorly designed uh, visual aid, you know, and it, these are so obsolete. Doctors, they hate it. They absolutely hate it. But yet pharma wants it. So, sir, what's your take on that? Uh, it's just an irony. The person who developed the visual aid is my guru and my mentor. Professor uh, Late Tarun Gupta. The visual aids which were produced during his time uh, in the 70s and the 80s, they were totally different than what you see in the pharma industry today. And today marketing in pharma, the brand managers cannot see beyond the visual aid, which have now become junk, they have become obsolete. And because of this visual aid, all brands appear similar. And actually there is no distinctiveness and probably it's because there is a lack of distinctiveness amongst the brands. There are no brands, I would say. Many are not brands, many are just uh, commodities. And because of the commoditization, unhealthy marketing practices have started creeping in, in the pharmaceutical industry, rather the entire uh, healthcare industry. Definitely, sir. Definitely. I completely agree with you. And from this, actually, we... Uh... I this was my next question actually you know this yeah. term has been in the pharmaceutical industry for very long but usually nobody discusses about yeah. this it's called trading of prescriptions so what's your take on that sir 
Absolutely, that's a very nice term you have used. Actually, trading for prescriptions. My take on that is that the government is trying to bring in what you call as UCPMP or Uniform Code of uh, Marketing Practices. The government has been trying to bring in this UCPMP for the last uh, six years. And before that, there was a file paper on good marketing practices. But till date, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. They say, hey, status quo. Very recently, just before the COVID, I had a, a meeting with the Joint Secretary of uh, DOP. DOP means Department of uh, Pharmaceuticals. The Joint Secretary of uh, Department of Pharmaceuticals, he told me that we are trying our best to bring in the UCPMP, but the culprits, they are trying to find loopholes. The moment I bring in this UCPMP as a law, the legal eagles will soon find out loopholes which will render this without any muscle. So he suggested something very different and I like this idea. He said, instead of punishing this uh, culprits, bring them to shame. Bring them to shame by having a sort of register where the names of these culprits are published. Announce it in the website, announce it in the newspapers, publish it in the blogs and shame these culprits. And when these culprits are shamed, what happens? The near and dear ones, they start looking at them differently. And therefore, uh, this is the best method which the DOP, that the uh, Joint Secretary of uh, Department of Pharmaceuticals has suggested. But I am against, I am against, and that is what I was talking to you a little earlier, the new marketing models are coming in. This trend has already started in the West. It has already started in uh, India also. And one way by which we can pro uh, promote uh, patient centricity is that pharmaceutical companies can start what you call as patient support groups. I still recall very distinctly when I was in Sun Pharma in 1989, we had introduced a product called uh, Sindopa containing Co-Taraldopa and that was the primary drug for the management of uh, Parkinson's disease, uh, disease of the elders. At that time, we had great competition from Cinemet. Cinemet was a product of MSD and uh, American multinational and Sun Pharma was just a startup. We stood almost no chance of competing against uh, MSD. Although our price was about 60% lower than the Cinemet. But we took a very conscious decision at that time. We will never talk about the price. And then I went into a huddle with the doctors with the, the doctors, the uh, company doctors, the medical advisors of Sun Pharma. And they suggested we should have patient-centric, what we call as Parkinson's Club. We started Parkinson's Business Club in around uh, eight cities, where all the patients of Parkinson's disease, they met together every fortnight. And every fortnight, a neurologist, a physiotherapist, what kind of physiotherapist? A physiotherapist who is uh, specialized in movement disorders because movement disorder is a big problem in uh, Parkinson's patient. So these kind of people, we were, uh, they were called to address this group of patients. And as a result, in these Parkinson's club, we never talked about Sindopa, but it had a rub-out effect. And today, Sindopa has a market share of 90%.
a phenomenal 90% in that segment. No other brand has that kind of market share in a particular segment, 90%. And that is only because of this patient-centric activity. So, uh, so if uh, our fellow brand managers who are listening to this, you know, can you give some more suggestions for them to something like this? What else that they can do apart from patient support groups? Have you heard about a consulting agency called Cape Gemini? And they said in one of the reports of 2000, somewhere between 2017 and 18, they said that the loss of revenues of pharma industry because of patients' non-adherence to drug therapy is so high and the equivalent is around two years of the Indian pharma's turnover. While the pharma industry during their uh, sales review meeting, they talk about how to increase the sale. If you just focused on how to increase patient adherence, I bet Aditya, the revenues can shoot by at least 36 to 50% year after year without spending much on what you call as marketing. Transactional marketing. Oh, transaction, transactional <laughs> that marketing. That is yeah, yeah, trading yeah, yeah. prescriptions for goodies. Actually, you know, the model you just explained, you know, it resembles a lot with the models that, you know, these corporate coaches, they teach, you know, if you, like, if you think about Simon Sinek for that fact, you know, in his book, Start With Why, he mentions about this infinite game and this infinite mindset. You know, with the infinite mindset, is not like beating your competition because that's a finite thinking. That's why many companies don't become number one or number two in their game because they are thinking finitely. Opposite to that, the companies who are thinking of an infinite game. So if I take, so for example, if I take into pharma concept, the companies who think about getting market share and beating their competition never make it to the top. But the companies who are thinking about making lives of patients better actually are successing absolutely absolutely you're very right in fact uh, when uh, you said about the start with why i always keep on telling my people my students and the brand managers when we talk about the brand vision your brand vision should always contain why what why is my brand what is the larger purpose of my brand and if we are able to answer that question many of the current problems will be resolved. Definitely, sir. Definitely. And from this discussion only, we have just right now discussed about like benefiting patients. In our college or in pharmaceutical terms, we call this thing as value proposition. So my question to you, sir, is what is in simplest terms, what exactly is value proposition? In very, very simple terms, Value proposition is adding a value to my brand so that my brand becomes different and no one else will be able to copy or replicate. So value proposition is one of the very, very important uh, ingredients of uh, branding. And when I'm defining my uh, value proposition, today, why do doctors, they care a heck for what your brand does? They don't care two paisa for what my brand does. They care for what my brand will do to my patient. They care for what the brand can do to the uh, doctor. 
Yeah, like you know, we were discussing about value propositions and making patients' lives easier, and it reminds me so much about my internship. You know, I just did with Rosh. Like there, there is so much difference that these multinationals think. They actually the whole time that I was interning in the company, the main focus was on the patient. The main focus was how can we make patients' lives easier? How can you know we can. relieve them mm-hmm. of their burden that they are actually facing in their journey in fact uh, patient experience is going to make you brand loyal rather than whatever other promotional activities we do patient experience is very 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 important and across the patient journey at every touch point the patient should be satisfied both with the healthcare system as well as with the uh, pharmaceutical company coming up next what to say when a doctor asks you why should i prescribe your brand And that day onwards, this prescription for my brand, not one, is prescribed by five to six brands of my uh, company. So now I'm going to take you to a different domain now, not a different darker side. And that is one of the biggest blunders I did. 